you want to learn more about effective management, head over to madsingers.com and sign up for my free management training. Welcome to the Mad Singers Management Podcast from madsingers.com, where entrepreneurs and business managers learn and share. If you like the show, don't forget to leave a review. Hello, hello, and welcome to this episode of the Mad Singers Management Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Tim Brown. Welcome to the show, Tim. And I'm excited for today. Lots of interesting topics on the menu. And uh, yeah, we, we've known each other for a while. Probably. Absolutely. I've, uh, I've benefited from your, your wisdom and your guidance. Um, I think it's been a couple of years since I've been following and, and since we've talked. Yeah, I think it's somewhere in that regard. So yeah, time flies when you're having fun, as they say. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Uh, today, we are eager to definitely talk about problems and mistakes and so on, because we love sharing that stuff here in the podcast. And then we really, really want to talk about what I call Tim in the middle. Um, and that's very much around how you were initially driving anything, everything, and then moving out of that sort of scenario. And uh, that's, that's really what we'll, we'll pick up on today. So, Tim, if we start yes, with sir. looking at some of the sort of bigger mistakes or problems that you have faced from a management standpoint, right? What's, what's some of the biggest? Years? Yeah, and I see a lot of SEO companies. We, we talk to, we're friendly with a lot of SEO companies in our area and elsewhere. We do content with them, et cetera. We have an abundance mindset, but... Something I struggle with, I struggled with more before, you know, consulting with you is I, I've had a lot of issues with being at the middle of everything. I was driving everything. I was a personality that was driving our sales process and our management process as well. And I am not completely out of the woods on that, but I will say comparatively to the 20, you know, I've talked to a lot of agencies, like especially ones under 10 people, we are, are, we are way farther along than we were before. And like, honestly, very close to being out completely. Um, I have no clients right now that I report to, which is interesting. Even big companies, uh, some of them, they, they have this mindset that they need to be consulting to be sharp. And I need to be building my systems to be sharp. So there's, and, and also I run SEO for our company. So I learn things and experiment with things that way, but I don't necessarily need to do it on clients constantly to, to understand and facilitate that process at a high level. So it's been a giant problem, but it's also um, as I've forced myself out of it, I think that the solution for me was forcing myself out of it a little bit and really letting some shit break. I had to let some shit break before I could really um, get over it. I mean, I ha we've lost a lot of clients. I mean, we've also gained a lot of clients. So we, we had this attrition thing. We have attrition thing. You know what I mean? Um, and I've just kind of come to the terms with like, okay, so if we lose five clients in a quarter, we have to gain seven. It's tiring. It's tiring. But what I am doing, what underneath the current of those, those shifting waters is a system that's getting stronger, not a Tim that's getting stronger. Yeah. So I've realized that, you know, frankly, we had attrition when it was just me sitting there being the personality. 
So I have to figure out how to build the system after each failure a little bit better, not try to build me a little bit better after every failure, because you're going to have them. And, and I guess also finding clients that are better fits, right? Because one of the things I yeah. remember when we were talking in the beginning, like most people, you were sort of putting your hands out and say, anyone need SEO, come our way, right? And one of the things that I'm definitely keen on is always making sure that, you know, that the better fit new clients are to your process, the easier they are to handle, right? And, and particularly, exactly. as an S, particularly as an SEO, so many people end up in this situation where they are just consistently you know, trying to fill some need for some new client that, mm -hmm. you know, only the owner can do the work because it's new yeah. and it's complex and it's a yeah, pain in the backside. Exactly. And that's not only SEO companies and marketing agencies, right? Like we see that with our clients all the time. And, and that's partly how we sell our services a little bit of like some of, some of the types of clients, for instance, um, home services, some of those clients, they often don't realize that they need more business, need more leads. They think they've got enough or whatever. And I think that we do that sometimes as marketing agencies where we, we get in this spot where, yeah, we're closing deals, but we're closing the wrong type of deals because we're a little desperate. We're just a little desperate and maybe, maybe just have no filter. So like the best part about getting more business, the best part about driving leads is you can say no more often. And like the... It's, that's, that's also a great thing about like trying to close up the gap on attrition is to be able to say no, like, like we haven't, just the last couple of months, like we haven't lost a lot of clients. So we're also not like just putting our hands out like that, right? Like, um, and it is, it is painful and it continues to be painful. I don't, I don't know a lot of marketing agencies that have no problem clients. No. So Mads, I'd be curious, like uh, in your experience, um, any things that you could share on that? Because I, I still don't feel like I've got that quite sorted. But I, I mean, my experience is, is really the, the, the better you are at showing clients clear why, the yeah. better, they are, the longer they'll stick around, right? Yeah. The challenge is always when you have clients that understand SEO, they quite often understand, you know, if they, mm -hmm. if they buy your stuff, they get to the top. And if the world, their world isn't particularly competitive, yeah. you know, there's still more you can do, but reality is they've gotten 80, 90% of the gain already. And if they stop paying you, they will still keep reaping those rewards, right? In many I cases. See, yeah, I think I, I have to be honest, we have less of those problems now. So how do we yeah. have less? Because st they still hurt a little bit. So it's hard to give advice, yeah. but we have less than we did a year and a half ago, right? So how did we get there? How did we make the progress that we have made? If I look back, and it's so good to look back sometimes, right? Because I just don't reflect on these things or how, how many bad clients we had back then and how little they were paying. Yeah. Um, I think raising prices, right? That's the age old consultant thing to say, right? Like raise prices because frankly, you know what's happening now? Because we have, uh, you know, whatever, we're twice as expensive as we were. Um, yeah. And we don't take anyone under that. We don't do custom random stuff. Like when I was the salesperson, this is the best part about getting an outside or different salesperson is I would do all these like custom little packages because I was scared and he just doesn't. He's not allowed to do that. So he doesn't. And so I'm not the one sitting out there selling and he's doing just, just the stuff that's already there. Like that is a really good thing. That's an underrated thing about having an, another salesperson. Yeah. Um, but we raise our prices. Our prices are much higher. 
And for that reason, we're only getting the types of clients that can pay those amounts. And yeah. they tend to be a little bit bigger. Like we've, we've talked a lot about small businesses. We, we've kind of said that. We've stopped saying that as much in our marketing. And we do have a lot of companies that are like 500 people or, you know, we're starting to get more into those like 100 person companies um, more often. And the desper the, their desperation is lower. They prize specialization higher and they understand like being professional. <laughs> I think that that's the thing I hate most. I, I love small businesses, but let me just rant for one second. That's the thing that's super annoying about small businesses and probably me because we're a small business, 15 people. Um, and what is what is the most painful? They, they're not professional a lot of the times. <laughs> they don't, they don't like professionalism equals somebody else has a skill set that I don't have. I respect that system. They have either, even a freelancer, like we've got 40 hours a week working on this one thing, or as a team, we've got 40 times 15, you know, 15 people or whatever, hours a week working on this one, this websites and SEO, right? So it's just that mindset changes as you go up in the size of clients and there's good and bad things about both. I cannot stand bureaucracy. So now I'm in a, a rock and a hard place and I'm trying to figure that out. That's a current problem I have is identifying who really likes us the most, identifying yeah. which clients we can provide the most value to. If they have a 10 person in-house marketing team, sometimes we're a little redundant. So I like that. I say growth oriented businesses, growth businesses, and yep. there is an actual, there is an actual like qualification for this. And, and the government recognizes it. Growth businesses, the, the United States government um, recognizes companies going from 10 to 45, I think, as a growth business, because they're in that spot. Like people that want to create a business that's like 10, 12 people or whatever, like that's a spot where you could stick and not without much work, you could probably stick it and you'll be fine and you'll, you'll, it'll be profitable. Honestly, you can make it profitable, but a company that's going from 10 to 40, 45 people, they call that a growth business because it literally like transforms communities and there's yeah. tax incentives. There's specific like criteria for like helping those businesses because the amount of jobs from 10 to 40, it starts to get exponential. And that's where a company has the opportunity to potentially change their community, you know, especially if you're in a smaller town or something like that. But even in cities, enough of these growth businesses really transforms the economy and, and pays a lot of taxes. So the government's interested in helping companies like that. But a lot of people don't want to do that. And I don't fault them. Um, it's a lot of work. And there is they, there's a desert that happens, you know, in in the it's, it's a, it's a lonely place going from 10 to 40 people. And it hurts. There's a lot of pain and the problem with it. Sorry, Mads, I'll let you kind of speak to this in a second, but the problem with it is because you you're not increasing profit along that way. A lot of times, a lot of times every, you have to kind of, if you're really trying to grow, if you're really trying to get to 40 people, you're kind of taking the profit from 
you know, other times and you're putting, you're, you're turning that profit back into the company so much. So I, I'd love to hear any thoughts you, you have on that. I know the problem, but yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, totally. It happens all the time, right? And, and a lot of people are reinvesting significantly to go through that step, right? Um, I, again, from a management point, it's a very interesting step because it's, it's also the point that's it, it's a rough point to get through for a business owner if they ain't got good management skills, right? So some yeah. people can make it to exactly. 10, 12 people, uh, you know, just with pure will and, and drive, but going above that becomes really difficult if you haven't got management skills, both yourself, but also actually have the capability of, of you know, hiring managers within the team or mm. developing your managers within the team to, to, yeah. to do that, right? And that's like a lot of the clients I work with is typically that size where, you know, I go in and work with the owner and two, three, four managers within the business. And, you know, it, it makes such a big difference to the business at that level. Um, so, yeah. That's yeah. And, you know, a couple of things that we put into place because of your course and because of your consulting, um, the one-on-ones, which we still do to this day. And we have other people conducting some of those one-on-ones now that we're a little bit, I think we got past like eight and we, we decided to branch it out a bit. And yeah, we have at least two people that I consider kind of in management with me, um, my wife and um, Cole. Uh, who is, you know, he was an SEO, but now he, you know, he's doing SEO and management. He's kind of halftime. We're trying to eventually scale him up to chief operating officer. So that's kind of his track, so to speak. And he does like managing people and he's more calm than I am, which is good. I just, I'm, uh, you know, they give, they give us crap for, you know, the visionary thing, visionary scattered. I'm scattered. And I need somebody that's a little bit slower and more relaxed for some of these employee conversations. Cause otherwise I get too hyped up and I've realized there's just certain people on our team that are too chill. And I have to like, make sure that they're with Cole to like sort out their weekly things. Um, a couple other things that we put into place, we have 90 day reviews and we actually have a scorecard. I, th- I believe you suggested the book, who, um, the, the, um, the a player method to hiring, I believe it's called, um, who is a really good book. And I appreciate you making that suggestion. If that was you, um, I, I think that the 90 day plus scorecard approach has been good for us. Um, we have a little folder, you know, that has a physical folder that has the, the scorecards in it and, what we promised, because that's one thing that starts to become a thing. Um, once you start to get, you know, like 10 plus employees is like, I've promised if they do this, this, and this, that they get a 5% raise or whatever. Um, you know, those are the things I'm supposed to do. Let me talk a little bit about the things that maybe you didn't say or like, but we have been doing and you can talk, you know, like yep. compare war stories here. The other thing that we do, um, I've been hiring young and hiring early in careers. So that's something that's been painful, but it's also, it's basically like people ask me like, well, um, how do you like, you know, like big, bigger agencies. Cause that's who I, I try to talk to people that are better than me. And like, I spend a lot of time doing that. I think you 
force me that to do that as well. That was really good. Like you told, just told me to start reaching out and people will talk to me and they did, dude, they did. How did, how'd you know people like Will Reynolds, Stefan Bayo from um, conductor, like a bunch of other really cool companies. They chat with me. They chat with me like occasionally, like, and it's like kind of a thing. Like, so it's really cool. Um, where was I going with that? Oh, but sometimes the advice is a little bit more along the lines of like, so, or like a question, which is like, why are you hiring junior people? Like, like what's the trade-off here? And is the, tr but I'm basically at a point where like the constraint, the financial constraint is just too real. Like I, I have to get the work done and I don't have 10,000 a month clients. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like it's, so like, it's kind of that it's, it's, you know, Seth Godin says constraints kind of lead to genius sometimes, right? Like if you have constraints and create problems, I have experienced some of that because we hired these junior people, but all we can look at is soft skills. All we can really like focus on is like, okay, so you're coming out of college and I'm not doing that as much right now, but um, the last couple of people, I'm trying to get a little bit further in their career. Um, but we've done it a lot. And the, the thing that we focus on is, do you have aptitude? And do you have a good attitude? And do you have, are you driven? And are you motivated? And are you excited? And do you get stuff quickly? And those things have paid off. However, I am tired because I'm like, I'm tending to a little bit of a young team. So uh, the last couple of people, what I've been doing is kind of like finding deals at a little bit more of like the five-year level, five-year and like either the COVID deal. Maybe that's partly why I'm getting deals right now because there's employees on, on the COVID bargain bin. Um, and the other piece is like, are, have you been in a professional career? Maybe not this exact career, but have you been out of school for five, 10 years? Because I think that there's like this professionalism and this have you been working for five or 10 years in either a corporate setting or just professional setting? Cause that's a vibe. And I get a, re I get really tired of like training people in on the vibe of like, I never, Oh, I never, I don't know that I'm going to have to work 40 hours for the rest of my life. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not the one that made that a thing, but I am the one that is going to help you do it at a place. That's kind of cool. You know, like I just, yeah, I don't and, like being res yeah, responsible. And, for I the think that's a, that's definitely a big thing, right? I mean, it, the way I look at it, right? And, and I mean, a lot of people look at this very differently, right? Some people say, oh, only hire the best people. And then, you know, they'll do five times as much work, et cetera. But I mean, the way I look at it is you need to pick a business model that works for you, right? So you can definitely do a model where you say, you know, we're expensive and, you know, we're, we, you know, we are minimum 10K, right? Yeah. And we have, you know, absolutely experts sitting doing your stuff. Yeah. However, like that's a market, right? And there's definitely yeah. also the market that you're in, which is maybe smaller clients, but also a very solid market, right? And in, yeah. in those markets, you are typically significantly better having solid processes, bring yeah. in people at a much, much lower cost and bring them up to speed. Because here's the thing, when people are working for you over longer periods of time, when you develop a 
great skill set with them. Yes, some of them will definitely leave you and start their own thing and do their own stuff. But also many of them, particularly if you hire the right kind of people, will um, will stick around, right? And, and you know, you can grow their salary, but it's still, it's significantly cheaper generally to, to hire and develop people from within than hiring experts, right? And I'm, yeah. I mean, I've, every business I've built, I've done on this model, right? Because I'm, I'm not the funding type of guy for sure. I, I, I'm yeah, not exactly, a fan of right? companies that go out and, you know, raise some billions and then hire like a ton of people and lose money and that kind of thing. Uh, yeah. I, I really like building stuff from scratch. And I, yeah. I, I find so much more rewarding actually building up these people. I mean, someone who's already good, great, but I love taking people, you know, who's maybe not got the skill set. And uh, I, I totally agree with you in terms of the professional experience. The one thing I would say, though, is when you when you get brand new people who haven't got experience, you get to shape them a lot more. And, yeah. you know, sometimes, particularly depending on the place you are, that can be a benefit and sometimes it can be a challenge, right? Yeah. Um, but, but this is, again, fundamentally where, again, you want to have managers under you because as a CEO at the level you're at now, you don't want to be doing that training, right? But here's the thing. A lot of your managers who were in that position initially uh, probably will quite enjoy working with newer people, right? But again, you need to find the right, like wherever you are in the world, the stuff that works better for you than others. And one of the key things for me is, like when, when we're looking at talent, look at what works. And if you're hiring people who have got five-year-plus work experience and that works for you, perfect, do that, right? But, but I mean, we look at so many things. So in Philippines, for example, we love hiring people who have lived abroad for at least six months. We, we don't care what they've been doing there, but if they've been living abroad more than six months, that is a huge, huge plus, right? And when, the reason why we found out of that was basically when we analyzed all the, the interviews we were doing and we then were comparing to our top performers, uh, one of the things we saw, like nine out of our top 10 performers in the business were basically uh, all lived abroad for more than six months. Mm -hmm. like, hmm, that's what you call a trend, right? Mm -hmm. And then we started looking for that specifically. So again, like particularly when you start hiring higher volumes of people, actually starting to look at, well, your best performers what do mm. they have in common? Did they all Ooh, come from good. the same school? Do they all have the same education? Mm. Do they all have, you know, the, did they all play? I mean, one of the things we've found as well is people who play computer games are really well suited for SEO because mm -hmm. people who are playing computer games or at least were playing computer games are usually very fast on computers. Uh, mm -hmm. They're very techish, so they, they can figure stuff out. And that's something that just works really, really well. So, nice. yes. Yeah. Lot, lots of, lots of small things you can you can learn yeah. and you can uh, learn from from an experienced point of view, right? All right, I gotta. I want to share one more thing that you did that you implemented that really helped us, and then I want to and then I want to see if we can get some more free consulting from you on this podcast. Which uh, one is? Um, we made our employees own the standard operating procedures, which Mads helped us put into place, which was. We had standard standard operating procedures, but I was like getting very tired of up of like doing those every time stuff changed, and I might not know exactly how it's done now, right? And there's this uh, word ikigai, I think it's called. Is that the word? I think it is. It's continuous improvement and process improvement. 
by the people in the company. It goes down to every level. So on a, in a manufacturing plant, that might be the guy who fastens the bolt might decide that if he fastens two bolts at once, that's better for the manufacturing process. He should write the standard operating procedure, not the guy up in the office that's just looking down on him saying, I need it two times faster, right? So having people, people are now signing off on them. Someone might be working on them now because it's due by the end of the year, right? We have a standard operating procedures. We have a wiki and then every, and each department head, which is small right now because we're a small company, but each department head has to sign off on them every year. And um, we might do it more often than that, but right now it's every year. And uh, okay, so that's one thing. And you helped me put that in place. I really appreciate it. The question I have right now, I have an employee and no, they're not going to watch this probably. So I'm going to just go for it. Who's struggling? Um, a younger employee that is in a position where I am not their direct manager and they are struggling. And I have my manager type person or people coming to me and saying, this person is struggling. However, it's one of those things where it's like the incentives aren't quite aligned in certain ways because they're all kind of fighting with each other for commission, so to speak, like a 3% commission on accounts. So I feel like they're not doing enough to really help this person grow, partly because they feel scarcity mindset around new clients coming in. So I've got this problem where it's, we hired this person for soft skills. There's a chance that this person might not work out, but I'm definitely going to make sure that no one hears this for my company now. But the point is, <laughs> um, is we're, we're trying to figure out how to get this person motivated and moving quicker. And they're just not. And there's a chance that it will be a fire. And I, I'm not looking forward to that. I, I still haven't fired anyone ever, which, you know, I'm sure you coached me through that and I just haven't put it to use yet. But anyways, this idea of like, how do we get that person motivated? How do we crank up the, how do I help those managers? Cause I used to just jump in and freak out on them. That's what I used to do. I would just yeah. go, what is wrong? And I still do that with some employees. Like I'm still an intense person and I still go, you are not living up to expectations. And yeah. I still, I have to do that occasionally. So anyways, I'm struggling. How do so so rule number one is never do that to someone that reports to one of your managers. Yeah. Right? Because yeah, but I haven't then, been. Then, then fundamentally, you, you go and undermine your managers. So you, yeah. you don't ever want to do that. Right? Yeah. Um, so key thing here is, number one, make sure your incentives are aligned. And number two is go back to the, one of the first lessons we talked about with understanding different people are motivated by different things. So the incentive that makes this person move might not be the incentives that you're actually looking at, right? Because again, many people are not motivated by money and it could sound a lot like the individual you're talking about here might not be one of those people, right? So the, the value in understanding the personality and then utilizing that to try and understand what is the best use of the person and again like understand is this the right person for the right seat so mm -hmm. again it could be a great person but if they're put in a role where they're supposed to do things that you know they will never be fast at just because it doesn't fit their personality right that's definitely one thing to look at but then also very much look at you know does the expectations align with their skill set and, and what they're good at and so on and mm -hmm. if it does 
I mean, you can definitely go down the route and um, really see if, if, if it matches what they should be good at based on their personality, et cetera, then it could also be a question of setting clear expectations in terms of performance, right? Because again, particularly when start, uh, stuff start being down the line, uh, I've, I've no doubt that you're very, very good at setting clear expectations to people. But again, going through that with the managers as well, right? I, I just had a case last week where I was talking with a business where, you know, the manager was like, yeah, I've struggled with this person for seven months and, you know, I can't make them perform. And I asked them a simple question, which was, you know, can I talk to the individual? And they were like, oh, yeah, yeah, sure. I set up a 15-minute call with the individual and the person had no idea that they were about to be fired. Like, no sure. idea. Because they they hadn't been explained well enough that, you know, their performance sucked. And it's one of those things where, you know, some managers, and, and this is a learning curve for a manager, right? But if, if a manager is not good at making it very clear, your performance yeah. isn't acceptable. If people don't get that, you know, sometimes they're like, very often the, the conversation could be like, oh, you know, it's not going very well or, or your performance is not amazing and so on. But sometimes some managers struggle to put it across very direct and say, yeah. you know, this stuff is not acceptable. You know, if we can't you, get a yeah. better performance out of you over the next three months, unfortunately, we will we will have to let you go, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm not saying you have to go to that extreme straight away, but I'm saying like- the You are first not living step, up to expectations. Exactly. Like, you gotta say that very like, clearly. You have you to be very clear on that. And, and, and honestly, we, have, we have communicated that to this manager and they have said that. I okay. just don't want to have to get rid of this person. I feel like there's such no. a, they are a good- you know, ultimately I've worked with a lot of, I think we just have a very high standard. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like our, our other team members hold people to a very high standard. I've worked at agencies where this person would have been far and away better than half the people. <laughs> right. So, so the, the, the question for me is then the other side of the coin is the person in the right job. Right? Yeah. That's kind of, that's kind of where I'm stuck a little bit. I think they might not be. Right. And that's, uh, I mean, again, I would go back to the disc training that, that we covered in the beginning, right? And really try and understand what's their personality and, you know, are they actually doing something that fits their strength, right? Yeah. Now, if they don't, again, do you have something in the business that makes business sense for them to do instead? Or again, you might want to let them go because reality is, right, when, when you have people that aren't pulling their weight, that really brings the whole company down, because yep. it sets expectations to others. So it set precedents for others saying, hey, you know, this is okay, right? And yep. ideally, you don't want to do that if you absolutely can get away with not doing so, right? You're absolutely right. Yeah, it's tough. Well, hey, man, I appreciate you having me on. And I, uh, I think that, um, you know, there's so many things I was reminded of that you helped us with. I I could go on and on. I almost wanted to interrupt you and be like, I knew that. So you told me that. So like, it's interesting. So much of this stuff is super actionable and I've, I've really appreciated working with you on it. And oh, yeah. I, I think one, one thing we talked about a little bit before the podcast started that I think would be super valuable would talk a little bit about how you have sort of gone from office to remote here during COVID, because I know a lot of clients have and a, a lot of people all around the world have. So yeah. you mentioned you have done a, a, some specific things to improve 
yeah, how you've yeah. been doing things in terms of culture in particular, right? So do, yeah. do you want to talk a little bit about what you've been doing? Abs- absolutely. So we work on traction. So that has been helpful. We have quarterly and uh, quarterly goals and weekly habits. I think that people now more than ever need structure around accountability for their like key, you know, what they're supposed to do. Um, we've kind of, we've tried to increase check-ins. We did that a little bit more towards the beginning of COVID. Um, but we would just more do more like random check-ins with employees. They have their one-on-ones every week, but maybe we we've increased that a little bit. Um, we did stuff like, you know, we have our Slack channel. So gifts, memes, you know, our random Slack channel for like cultural friendly stuff. Um, we did try to do more humorous and uh, like games and stuff like that on on Zoom to like try to create some culture there. Uh, I think that people, I, I really think it's important not to ignore the negative effects of isolation. Yeah, everyone like wants to put out me- memes and stuff about like the funny stuff about being you know, maybe you, you have sweatpants on underneath your tie and you drink wine at 2 p.m. But here's the deal. People are experiencing depression and it's not really that funny. I Not to tell you, just, just remember that for your team. I'm not telling you to like preach that. Like, I know a lot of you are depressed. Like, I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying check in with your team. We've done, we've started to pay for a little bit of um, therapy so we're, we're, we're contributing 30 bucks towards therapy every month. And part of that is just a reminder to people that we believe in therapy. You know what I mean? Like I know 30 bucks, maybe that's half of it or a quarter of it or something like that. But the point is, is that we, we, we do it and we think it's good. So please do it. And then we also like, we encourage walks and, and um, getting out of the house. Um, COVID is less intense outside and all that. So like go outside, get some fresh air. It's cold here, but I take walks in the cold. I I kind of try to exemplify the behavior that I'd like people to see, you know, do. Um, Don't, don't tell the government if there's a complete lockdown, then you're breaking the rules. Yeah, exactly. Right. Well here, that's not the case. And I certainly, if nothing else, like you can do workouts in your house. And I think us encouraging that, like what's, the number one thing that you can do like that's physical to stave off depression you can work out every day boom i do that i work out every day and i go to therapy i don't know what else you can do like you can drink water you can make sure to connect with friends and family but but just understand that there's issues with that and try to make like we do mini trainings on our team we cross trainings i don't know maybe half the stuff is from umeds um we do mini trainings every week that uh, or every other week excuse me and one of them, several of them, I should say, have been about mental health. So I think mental health is the biggest thing and kind of understanding that you're there for people and not shaming people if they've got issues. Um, we, we've actually asked people, we've like did like a mental health day where everyone took off because no one's taking vacation right now because there's nothing to vacate to. So we just kind of put these things in place. And just like when you give unlimited vacation or um like whatever people take less of it right now people are just taking less vacation so we're just kind of almost enforcing vacation i mean we're enforcing vacation for 
everybody but ourselves, I should say. So as I will say, that's kind of probably where I'll leave this is like, I need to do some of this for myself and I am not currently. So that's a big mistake, not taking time off for yourself and getting recharged. Yeah, it, it, it's important, right? And, and just like the exercise and stuff, like even having a day here and there that uh, do it. And I, I love doing it just from a management standpoint, because I know when I tell my team, you know, I'm not going to be around for a week or two weeks or something, uh, they always get excited because then they have more responsibility and they need to make sure the business keep running. Uh, and that's, I, I like, I like doing that. That's good. Yeah, I think sometimes what it ends up being, and this has been a pain, big pain for me, is like trying not to run in and fix stuff. I we hear I hear stuff a little bit through the tin can HVAC system of our um, our office, and I hear something that's not quite exactly how I would say it in a reporting call, and I want to run over there and be like, yo yo yo, or like slack them and say, you know, like these are things that we have to fight. I have to learn how to put on some music and stop relax. Fix, stop fixing stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Stop fixing stuff. Exactly. <laughs> it's weird that that's the, the important role of, a, of an owner at a certain point to stop fixing stuff, to give guiding principles rather than specific fixes. But, but, but here's the thing. It's because we want to feel important. And, and yep. as a human being, when we feel, you know, oh, I need to say this, I need to do that, I need to fix this, we feel important, yeah, right? And it's, it, it's a good feeling when you do it. Uh, yep. It's a shit feeling when you know you're hindering your, your development of your staff doing it. But yep. in, the, in the moment you do it, it's a good feeling, right? And, and that's why we're, we're naturally as human beings doing it all the time, right? So... That's good. That's a good reminder. It's a good reminder. It's not yeah. just the survival of the company that you're trying to do. It's it's the survival it, of your ego half it, the time. It's the growth of the business. Yeah. Yeah. So, no, that's good. I like it. I like it too. Anything else you want to cover here before we finish off or anything else yeah. you, you should definitely mention? I guess just solidarity for those of you that are out there. I think that that's important for small businesses. We we think we're the only one dealing with shit clients. We think we're the only one dealing with employees that aren't doing what they said that they were going to do. We think we're the only ones that are dealing with, you know, running in and accidentally fixing everything when we should be staying out of it. So like solidarity, I am not perfect on these things. I think that's a great mindset talking about mistakes with each other. And um, I'm grateful to be able to maybe be part of a few people's day to day that um, maybe didn't didn't haven't heard these things voiced recently and heard it from another business owner. So I hope that that's, that's been useful to someone. Yeah. Yeah. And I totally agree. And as you said earlier on in the podcast as well, like networking for me is it, it's so many people don't do it, particularly in the more technical industries and so on, but networking is really such a game changer for everything, right? Because the more people, you know, doing what you're doing, and, and ideally doing better than you are, uh, the better you're going to be off, right? Mm. Because you, it's so much easier to learn from other people than having to make every single one of the mistakes yourself, yeah. right? Yeah. And content is a great way to scale out those relationships. And I have yeah. found that to be extremely useful as we have identified possible like people in the niches we're serving and other agencies. I'm having like three to five conversations a week with people that are in businesses that are doing way better than us. 
And how does that change your brain? It's just like the questions they ask, the types of problems they're facing, it just, it enhances what you're doing in your business. So content creation is a great way to scale those relationships. And real quick, just kind of random off topic tip is like, we've been creating podcasts as a pillar piece of content, putting it on on YouTube and then creating videos for Facebook and LinkedIn, and then even branding a video for the person that came on the podcast. So like, we're starting to like, get these nice, uh, these relationships with people in our niche, which we're in home services, roofing and construction. It's just really cool to see this and then other agencies. So I think that that's been a really great opportunity for us because I think partly part, part of it is just the, the reason they're willing to have these conversations with us is because they know that we're so crazy about content. So like that, like you basically create this kind of magnet for other types of referral partners and strategic partnerships. Well, here's an SEO hack, right? So every time you start a podcast, if you start a podcast, even if you do one episode of five minutes and you put it out and you synchronize it everywhere, your website will get a ton of links from very Mm. high quality directories and so on, right? Like you yeah. get from Apple and all this kind of stuff. Like even yeah. even our like when we run affiliate sites and stuff like that, we always start like even if it's a five minute podcast with someone saying, "Hey, my name is Peter Pan. I run this website." And yeah. the amount of the links, like when you subscribe your podcast to all these directories and so on, you just get so many high quality links that yeah. are epic. I love it too. And and trading, um, trading. Uh, you know, as you progress with your podcast, the ability to trade guests on different podcasts. And then, yeah, if you go on 10 podcasts in the next couple of months, like they have, they have different directories that they're on. It's just, it's crazy. Like every podcast that you go on, it's like five links. So, well, and, and here's another thing, sponsoring podcast. So very few people, very few people sponsor any podcast. Yeah but a lot of people love getting sponsors on, even if it's for smaller amounts. And here's the thing, you can get some very good links for that. So- Ah, I like that. What's, what's, a, what's a small amount? I'm just curious, like- So, I mean, sometimes 50 bucks. Um, Ooh, so 50 bucks an episode time, or? Yeah, but we typically yeah. we would just go in and sponsor one episode, right? But yeah. so we, we have some affiliate brands that we have been building out. And a lot of the time, the podcast hosts want to show they have sponsors because yeah. they want to encourage others to sponsor. Yeah, that's good. I right? like that. So, yeah. so here's the thing. Very often we would go in and just say, you know, hey, I'm happy to sponsor one episode, 50 bucks. Would you be interested? Mm-hmm. And here's the benefit. I mean, I don't really care what you get out of that sponsorship per se, but you get a great link. So mm. again, if you're getting links from these high good podcast that you otherwise wouldn't have the time to or whatever. Uh, again, that's a very easy win, right? It's a mm. very easy way to get a link and if, from if someone who's super relevant and yeah. all that sort of stuff, right? Love it. Uh, and sometimes oh, even competitors, like people, people in the podcasting industry, like so many people do podcasts and so many people are so eager to make a little bit of money from it, right? Yeah, because they're already doing it. So like, yeah, if we can make 50 bucks on this episode that we wouldn't have made any money on. Yeah. Yes. And they're thinking about it as like another source, another stream of revenue. So, and I'm shit, I'd want to do that. So, 
So, and again, for a really good link, I mean, and you might actually get something out of that, but, but just for the link itself, like, you know, it's Boom. not the worst thing in the world. I like it. Fantastic. Well, tip, fantastic conversation as always. Dude, thank and you. I really hope there's something the listeners have benefited from as well. Uh, if people are eager to get hold of you, what's the right way to do that? Um, email me at tim at hookagency.com. Check me out on LinkedIn at Tim Brown. Just search Tim Brown and Hook Agency together. And then, yeah, the company's hookagency.com at hookagency all, all over social. Perfect. Fantastic, Tim. That was a great conversation. Thank you very much for joining me. And to the audience, we'll be back next week. Thank you for listening to the Mad Singers Management Podcast. Please leave a review. It means the world to us. You can also learn more about management at madsingers.com.